This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. From NPR Music, this is Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. Yes, we're still on hiatus. We're still rethinking the podcast. And while we do this, we thank you for your patience. We'll have something for you very, very soon. Hang tight. In the meantime, we're diving back into the archives. And this time, our newest intern, Vita Dadu, spent some time digging around and came up with the theme for this week's show, Mexican Regional Music. That's a catch-all term used by the record industry to cover a variety of folk forms, basically anything that's not pop music. And this week, we're going to turn to the style that's associated with cowboy hats and accordions. Corridos, rancheras, conjuntos, and ajujas. You know, I played drums for my uncle's conjunto in Northern California when I was in high school, and playing with those guys really opened my eyes to the musicality and history behind what I just considered older people's music. Its history goes back most famously to the Mexican Revolution in 1910, when corridos were like musical newspaper reports about what was going on in other parts of the country in that first great social upheaval of the 20th century. There is, of course, lots more to the history, but you have enough background info now to take a listen to these two archive shows. And to introduce them, let's throw it to Vita. Take it away, Vita. Thank you, Felix. The ensemble music we know as Mexican regional is sung in the style of weepy ballads, very much like American country music. These narrative ballads, known as corridos, are poetic renderings of stories told about the outcast archetype. In other words, bandits, revolutionaries, or even immigrants. Mexican regional has been around for a long time, but last year, Alt Latino did a deeper dive into the blast of popularity this music is experiencing today, reporting on the trends and the artists that are making the genre more appealing than ever to newer audiences and longtime fans. Take a listen as we learn that the Renaissance in Mexican regional can be attributed to the evolution of the corrido format itself. New corridos, like corridos tumbados or corridos verdes, draw from different contemporary genres like hip-hop, that reflect the diversity of the people who are listening in the U.S., Mexico, and beyond. Here is an excerpt from May 2021 episode of Alt Latino called Not Your Abuela's Corridos. Let's start with some definitions. The name says it all. Alicia Zertuche used to program all the Latin music for the South by Southwest Festival in Austin. She has extensive experience with the Spanish language music industry. If you really dissect the name of what the meaning is, it's telling you it's music from Mexico, from various regions of Mexico. You have the music that is predominant from from Durango, just Duranguense. A lot of the music from Sinaloa is predominantly banda. Okay, here's another expert, Jorge Hernandez from a little band called Los Tigres del Norte. Different regions, uh, like Veracruz, they have arpa, and in south, like Chiapas, they have the marimba, and Jalisco, mariachi. When you hear music from up north, they call it norteño. The Norteño, regional Norteño music is very into our veins, 
There's like beautiful flowers that come from, from land. For those of you who don't know, Los Tigres del Norte have been playing Mexican regional music for 50 years. In fact, that would be long before the genre even had an official name. Now, his poetic description of Norteño music speaks to the popularity of the accordion-based music of northern Mexico among all genres of Mexican regional music. And now let's check out one of the biggest hits for Los Tigres del Norte. This is called La Jaula de Oro, or The Golden Cage, and it tells the story of a Mexican immigrant who brought his young family to the U.S. for a better life with a hope of someday returning to Mexico. But his family gets acclimated to life in the U.S. and eventually doesn't want to return to Mexico. As a result, the protagonist is trapped in a cage that is lined with gold. You are listening to Alt Latino's deep dive into Mexican regional music. And to get an idea of just who listens to this popular form of Mexican regional music, let's spend time with another expert. Francisco Toscano is originally from Mexico and is hired by record companies to research trends and development about all forms of Latin music. He recently wrote an in-depth look at Mexican regional music for the music industry website Chartmetric. 
Francisco, how do you define Mexican regional music and who listens to it? Regional Mexican music is any music genre that was born first in Mexico. Second, that includes elements not only from American populations here, but also from the immigrants that arrived into those, into those territories all across the country. And third, that speak about the lives that they were leading where they grew up. These music genres arise from people working in, in the fields, hardworking people who are not necessarily living in the cities. And because of that, in Spanish, one word that is used to describe these genres are generos raíz, or root genres. Why? Because they're born in the heart of, of our nation, and they're rooted in tradition. They're rooted in traditional values as well. They describe the way of life of the people who live there. Those are very important characteristics of Mexican regional music as it is in country music and equivalent genres elsewhere. It is important when we speak about regional Mexican and regional music in general, that it's a music genre that is based on tradition and uh, it's based on identity. So a part of the artists that our abuelitas used to listen to, that we grew up with, are still relevant in, in, in the current regional uh, Mexican music landscape. But as we've seen in the research that, that we've done, in the last couple of months, there are new generations making these this music genres their own and putting their own imprint on the music that are putting out there. And that is showing in the amount of music consumption that we're seeing today. You cannot be Mexican and not having been influenced by this kind of music, all of it. And it's incredible the reach that it has because probably you can classify yourself as a Mexican, as a fan of rock music, as a fan of pop, as a fan of, of hip hop. But when you go and, and review the hits of regional Mexican artists, I'm, I guarantee that at least 80% of them, you know them and you've heard them and you know a part of the lyrics. So the influence that this kind of music has, has on us, it's tremendous. You're listening to Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. And this week, we're doing a deep dive into Mexican regional music. Now, let's get a little geeky with some numbers. Now, take notes. There'll be a quiz at the end of the podcast. Like other forms of Latin music, Mexican regional has also been impacted by the popularity of streaming. While other Latin music genres were first out of the gate in terms of popularity on streaming services among fans, according to Francisco Toscano's research, Mexican regional is catching up at a very fast pace. In a series of articles he wrote with Jason Joven for the industry website Chartmetric, they point to three streaming services that are driving the growth for all Mexican music genres, Deezer, Spotify, and Apple Music. They all have dedicated, specialized playlists devoted to what Chartmetric refers to as traditional and emerging Mexican music genres. Okay, set aside that idea of emerging genres for a minute, because there's a curious development that we'll get to in a bit. Toscano and Joven also report that other social media platforms like Facebook, YouTube, and SoundCloud play a very important role in that their business model of offering content for free with subscriptions optional tends to be the source of choice among rural, lower-income fans, while the subscription services of Spotify and Apple are more attractive to higher-income fans who live in cities. In fact, they report that on YouTube alone, the number of people listening to Mexican regional grew faster than English genres like rap, rock, country, and pop by a whopping 30% last year. 
And just who are these fans listening to? According to Toscano's research, there is a curious mix of new and old. There are newcomers, like Christian Nodal. The iconic mariachi singer Vicente Fernandez. Chente's son, Alejandro Fernandez. And a group that plays traditional banda music with brass and tubas. A band called Banda MS de Sergio Lizarraga. Every time you leave, there's only one thing that I know. Ha, your ears are not playing tricks on you. That was Snoop Dogg performing with Banda MS on their breakaway hit from a year ago, Que Maldición. Okay, Francisco Toscano, please explain. I, I think Snoop Dogg was especially capable to understand this music because he's from LA. Every artist that is from Los Angeles, I think has been exposed to regional Mexican music in a great deal. And it's not only about Snoop Dogg and Banda MS, because that's as far as I've heard, I, I cannot really confirm this, but I know that this is an opportunity that Snoop Dogg didn't really think much about doing. He accepted in a heartbeat. I don't know if he proposed or if it was Banda MS, but because he likes it and he was able to recognize the elements in common that regional Mexican music and his music have. If you want to take it in and widen the scope of this kind of collaborations between Anglo artists and Latin artists, we, you, we only need to see to the Black Eyed Peas latest album, you know, uh, where they're doing, they're including a lot of Latin artists in, in the collaborations that they did in their latest release that they did with Epic. One of them was Shakira, for instance. However, William is, is from Los Angeles. Tabu, he's a Mexican-American. So for them, even though they're Anglo artists and they became famous doing music in English and urban music in English, in their upbringing, I'm pretty sure they were listening to the artists that we listen to as well in Los Angeles or in Southern California in general. So for them, it was organic as up to a certain point to, to do this kind of collaborations. I believe that these kind of collaborations that we're seeing, it's only the beginning because this growth of popularity in regional Mexican music is just starting. I mean, I've seen this wave coming since at least a year and a half ago, but it's now that everybody's getting to see this tsunami because this is the way it looks now, like a tsunami that nobody saw it coming, but it, but it has really been brewing there for, for at least a year and a half. Every time you leave, there's only one thing that I know. What's that? 
baby, yo te extraño. Maybe me, that's la culpa. I'm guilty cause I go away a lot. But say you want me to stay and I won't. So Leah, I'm here whenever you say that you need me. Si me necesitas, I'll arrive, believe me. Digo double G, so tu perito lo ya. Even when I get out, I come right back to the yard. Ah, mami me duele cuando no estás conmigo. Y aunque soy tu hombre, todavía soy amigo. Te digo, te amo. That means I love you dearly. And every time you go on... Trap corridos are the result of different communities that come from different musical traditions living in close proximity to each other. As Francisco Toscano mentioned, corridos are also living documents of social realities. And a few years back, before trap corridos were even in the picture, the world was fixated on a different style emanating from the Mexican regional space, a type of narco ballad called narco corridos. In 2015, Felix and Jasmine Guard spoke to NPR correspondent Eider Peralta about narco corrido culture and the ways it reflected the social realities of those living amid the war on drugs. As a reflection of how corridos are a living, breathing genre, consider this. When this episode aired, famous drug kingpin El Chapo had just escaped prison, an escape that was almost immediately immortalized in numerous narco ballads or narco corridos. Let's take a look at the artists that shaped narco corridos then and how we perceived the ballads that extolled the victories of these drug lords in this episode from 2015 called Narco Corridos, Telling Truths or Glorifying an Escaped Drug Lord. What's lighting up lots of Latino social media right now is the escape of the Mexican drug lord Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, who escaped from a Mexican prison. According to Mexican authorities, Guzman, or El Chapo as he is known, escaped through an elaborate system of tunnels constructed under what was believed to be Mexico's tightest security prison. It was seemingly only a matter of hours before the internet produced the first narco corrido about the drug lord himself and his escape. And we're going to talk about what a narco corrido is, what a corrido is. Our colleague, Eidar Peralta, is a reporter for NPR's blog The Two-Way, and he wrote a great piece about narco corridos and how they popped up just days after El Chapo's escape. Eidar, welcome. Thank you, guys. Narco corridos live on the internet um, because they're banned from Mexican radio. Right. So, so this is why. But so they also, live at the speed of the internet. It's really funny. Like, every time I've ever gotten on a taxi in Mexico, they're playing a narco corrido, like on a CD. You know, they're playing in every single, you know, feria, like... On street the street, fair. on the street fairs, everywhere. Booths. Now there's this, you know, this really interesting thing about news being transmitted with corridos, which maybe let's take a, a, a little bit to talk about the history of the genre known as corridos for listeners who don't know. And that was the traditional purpose of it, lasting on through like the the Mexican Revolution in 1910. Corridos were used to like they were the, they were the media, okay. So the people in the south were finding out what was going on with Zapata by the corridos that were being uh, played in the north with Pancho Villa's army. Okay, so that's how they were, that's how the news was disseminated. The corridos eventually became a very legitimate folk form after they became more stylized and more established along the Texas-Mexican border. But then the folk form, like you mentioned, the folk form takes on another, another identity as a narco corrido comes along with the rise of the drug trade throughout Mexico. Well, yeah, and ultimately isn't that what folk is? Folk, the people. It's a form of art of the people. But it does bring it back to, um, are these guys uh, extolling the virtues of the guy who is of Chapo, right? Yeah. Or in his lifestyle and what he's doing, as opposed to uh, 
lamenting the fact that the country's really suffering because of some of the things that this guy is accused of doing. I think um, the gut reaction is that they're glorifying these guys, but I actually have a different view of I it. I do too. Um, I mean, I think I think what you find is that there's disappointment in the current government. What really caught my eye in all of this is again that cynicism. So I called I called Juan Carlos Ramirez Pimienta who's a professor of Mexican-American studies at San Diego State University. Uh, And I asked him, like, what's up with this cynicism? And what he said is is that it's a a reflection of society and and the disappointment that people have with with the current government. Yeah, let's play a little bit of that tape. Escape by by Chapo Guzman was used as a way to transfer that, some of that disappointment. It's a, if you will, a cultural projection and maybe psychological projection, because uh, a lot of uh, Mexican people perceive themselves as not empowered, so they transfer some of those, that hopeful empowerment to a figure like uh, Chapo Guzman although they know and recognize that he is a criminal. But maybe the disappointment of of the government is even bigger, and they celebrate that somebody is able to annoy the government. I would add, so in the song that we just heard, um, that one line, but however El Chapo escaped, he probably didn't even mess up his hair. I mean, what that points to, is not glorifying that this guy is so smooth right. that he was able to build a tunnel and get out without, you know, anything. It points at collusion between the government and these cartels, right? No, it, and that's that's an indictment. And as a result, we're here talking about these songs. Why don't we play another song that popped up that you found on your on the blog? This was this was another one of those that popped up like almost immediately. And this guy, uh, his name is Ariel Nuno, and he's based out of California. Ooh. And he is singing. You know, it's an it's an iPhone video. Again, it, these things move at the speed of the internet. It's a it's an iPhone video, and with him and his guitar. And again, he points to. He points to everything that is wrong with Mexico. One of the lines is, money makes the dog dance, and today it danced again. So this one humanizes um, El Chapo, right? right? He says, he says, I was fine inside. You know, these guys were treating me all right. But when I started thinking about my kids, 
that's when I really started building that tunnel, right? I mean, this one, this one tries to to create that. There's like that the, humanity. Almost, there's almost like a, the Robin Hoodization, right? It's like the the bandit as the hero, right? Yeah. You know, and well, not almost. That's exactly what's going on, and and again, the speed with which this popped up, this guy, like you said, it's an iPhone <laughs> video, well crafted. He's a good player. <laughs> He's a good guitarist. It's just, it's fascinating that this, it's playing out in real time. But also, I mean, I think this guy is, I, part of the reason is because El Chapo is just the stuff of legends, right? I mean, you know, this is, this is the biggest drug kingpin in, in the world. Right. So, I mean, I think that helped it move as quick as it did. And people had their narratives already. This is his second escape. He escaped once before in 2001. This is his second escape. Okay. Right. Well, you found some songs from the first escape. I did. Um, and, and also, I mean, again, it, it talks about how, um, how how big he is, how big uh, a figure uh, El Chapo cuts in Mexico. Um, I think, you know, the first one we'll hear um, is from Gerardo Ortiz, who's a big figure in, in Narco Corridos. And it's called El Primer Ministro, uh, the Prime Minister. And this, this one really, really... Uh, now here, I think this one's controversial because it, it certainly glorifies El Chapo. Todo el tiempo he peleado contra el poder del Estado I think the line that really struck me in that song is um, is where he asks, so he's talking as if he's El Chapo and he says, so who will help my people? I'll continue fighting the state and this isn't a threat, it's reality and I've made it, right? I mean, that's... Right. That is some serious, heavy stuff. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine an analog here in the United States. They're taking on the government, yeah. challenging, opening. Yeah. And again, another fascinating aspect of it is that with all the tubas and all that, that's uh, more of a banda 
yeah. form, right? So this is 2001. Late 90s, banda was really, really popular, a, a very, very popular folk form. Every little plaza has a municipal band. Well, banda became supercharged yeah. in the 90s. They had a whole dance craze called the Quebradita, and it was all these Quebradita clubs, right? Yeah. Very rural, very, uh, very border. And that's what this song was. It was a little bit of a accordion, but that was straight ahead banda. Again, a folk form. This is Vita again. I am from Mexico City, and my own experience is that the perceptions and listenership of corridos, narco-corridos, and Mexican regional music at large used to differ depending on where in Mexico you lived. When narco-corridos boomed in the mid-aughts, these songs were celebrated in the north, while sometimes in the country center, they were often reviled. But as we have heard on Alt Latino, social forces and world events can end up shaping musical expression. And as we have seen this week, streaming services, new artists, and corrido styles are ushering a renaissance in Mexican regional that is redefining just who these songs are for, which is pretty much everyone. Alt Latino is a production of NPR Music. My name is Vita Dadu, and I produced this week's episode. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week for another deep dive into the Alt Latino archives. Stay safe, be cool, and hasta la próxima. On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. Quién Are We is a podcast that celebrates the stories and joy of Latin people. Your identity is where you grew up. I think I belong in Colombia. Who you grew up with. My sister and I would make up English words. The foods you ate. I owe my life to the flour tortilla. The traditions that you celebrate, the things that make you happy. Listen to Quién Are We, a podcast from Colorado Public Radio, part of the NPR Network. Drake and Kendrick Lamar have been lobbing some serious accusations at each other. You've probably heard the diss tracks and wondered, what's just a low blow and what's actually criminal? I'm Brittany Luce, host of It's Been a Minute from NPR, and I'm getting into what's art and what's worthy of criminal investigation and who those accusations hurt the most on It's Been a Minute from NPR.